Hi, welcome to the Philosophy Podcast. I'm Bethany Rail, the founder and leader of the Philosophy Real Estate team. Our mission is to make real estate approachable so that everyone can utilize it to build wealth. Today, I'm here with Marisol Ross, one of our top producing realtors who is investment savvy and excels at truly listening to and powerfully advocating for her clients. Hello. Hello. If you do hear like little screeches, it's because my tiny little baby is in the other room. My husband just brought him in and every once in a while we hear like a... Yeah. And we think it's kind of funny. <laughs> so if you hear it, all is well. He's all good. Well. No, he makes very happy screeches. So yeah, he's definitely happy. Yeah. But so in this conversation, I'm really excited about this conversation because when I got into real estate, I didn't realize how many things you can do to truly invest. Um, And I mean, anytime you buy real estate, that's an investment. Um, But there are just so many different creative ways that you can invest in real estate. So today we're going to talk about four kind of main ways of doing it. Um, And so if you have always wanted to like, you you know, invest in an extra property, here are different things that you can do. So the first one that we're going to talk about is called like long-term rental. So that's when you're leasing a property having someone sign a 12-month lease or it could be a six-month lease um, or actually I think to con- to be considered not a short-term rental has to be over 60 days. 30 days. 30 days. Okay, so you can even rent someone month to month and that's what it would be considered. Okay, so so first is rental property. Second is flip, house flipping. I think this is what people think of when they think investing. Um, the third is um, an Airbnb or short-term rental. And the fourth is live and appreciate, which has a double meaning because you appreciate while you're living there and the house also appreciates. Yes. So um, why don't you get started by talking about like your average rental property, Bethany? Yeah. So rental properties, traditional long-term rentals is one of the most, it's one of the easiest ways to get into having an investment property or investing in real estate. Um, So if you're wanting to buy a property for a long-term rental, You want to focus on a few things. One, you want to make sure that it's in an area that people are wanting to rent, that they want to be, whether that's, you know, an area that's just really popular or it's near a college, something like that. Um, And you want to look for the type of homes that most renters would want. So sometimes even condos, townhomes, people have an easy time renting those out or single family homes in communities with amenities. Those are really easy to rent out. The things that you might want to avoid would be like a homestead property as much as having a ton of land is a dream for a lot of people. It's also a lot of maintenance that most people don't want to do on a property. Nobody wants to rent lots of land. (laughs) No, because even if you like the idea of it, you don't want to take care of it when it's not yours. So just paying attention to, you know, just what types of rentals or what types of people would want to be there. One thing that I also, pretty much the first question I ask every time somebody tells me that they're interested in a rental property is, is your highest priority long-term appreciation and you just want your mortgage covered or are you interested in maximizing cash flow? Mm. Because that will significantly affect where you look and what you look for. Um, So one thing that I would also say that if you're buying a property for an investment, you want to focus on somewhere that is appreciating quickly, has a lot of growth projected, that kind of thing. And then if your highest goal is long-term appreciation instead of maximum cash flow, that's going to be a higher priority even than somewhere that'll have max monthly rent. 
Yeah, and I think um, one thing to keep in mind is that your mortgage is always going to stay the same and rent is going to go up every year. So even if, you know, the first few years you're actually breaking even, that's not a terrible thing because rent is going to continue to go up. So you're not going to be breaking even forever. And the more it appreciates, the more like you're also building that equity. Um, totally. Especially if your highest priority is long-term appreciation. Exactly. My dad actually bought the condo he lived in. I think he was a senior in college and he bought the condo he lived in right next to university of Maryland, kept it for, I think something like 25 years. And of course, colleges also grow. So it grew so that the condo was eventually like steps away from campus. Whereas when he bought it, it was like a mile. And now it's like steps away from campus. So he sold it for like a ridiculous amount of money recently. Um, So yeah, these are just like the kind of things to always be thinking about. Totally. Time always goes in your favor with real estate. Um, Another thing that you want to pay attention to is just what you can rent it for. And so the easiest way to do that is obviously a realtor can do it for you. We know exactly how to do that. But you can also look on Zillow.com, like what are similar houses renting for? Houses that are about the same size, same condition, same number of beds and bathrooms. You can look at what else is available on even external sites and get a pretty good idea of what you could rent it for. Um, you would also want to pay attention to when you would want to buy or sell a rental property. I would say for the most part, um, this has to do more with your own personal circumstances. Like it could be, you know, there's a bigger investment opportunity, you know, about to appear in your own circumstance. And it might make sense to sell one or two investment properties to open up cash for that. That would be a good time based on your own personal circumstances. Sometimes if you can see that the tides of the market are going to where, you know, it's it's a killer seller's market right now and prices are really high and you think that might change within the next six months to a year, it's not a bad time to go ahead and sell. And then either sit on the cash, put it into a like pretty liquid accessible place. And if prices do go down, you can buy more investment properties then. And so that can be a good time um, to flow with the ebbs and flows of the market. One other thing that is really great, especially for entry level um, investors is what we call combo investment. It's not a technical term, but it is really applicable Um, And I am a huge fan of utilizing it. Actually, my first home, this is exactly what I did. Um, But what we call combo investment is where you rent out a room or you live there, but you also in some way use it to bring in cash as well. Um, A really good example of this is a lot of times um, if a first-time homebuyer is able to take in a roommate or several and have them pay the majority of the mortgage, you can basically live for free and you're getting the advantages of, um, well, being able to live there for basically free hmm. and also appreciation. Um, and I always tell people if they're going to do that, if you're going to, yeah, if you're going to have roommates essentially cover your mortgage, you're also going to ma- want to make sure maybe you have one extra that you can be taking that rent and putting it in the bank for something breaks. Yes. Because um, that's the one thing that you would have, responsibility you would have as a landlord is like, yeah, maybe you're not paying rent, but you want to make sure that you're making enough so that you can... Um, you know, if anything unexpected comes up that you can do that. I mean, honestly, that's one of the smartest things you can do. If anyone's listening to this podcast and you are renting with other roommates and you have the capacity to buy, it's probably one of the best investments you'd ever make is just to tell all your friends like, hey, I'm buying a house and you guys can all pay me rent now instead of this random landlord who 
we don't really care if they make the money or not. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. One other way that you can combo invest or transitional invest um, is you can buy a house and live there and then just prepare yourself that when it's time to upsize, it's time to go somewhere else. Instead of selling that house, go ahead and save up a completely new down payment convert that house to a rental and then you have monthly income and two houses that are appreciating when you actually buy the second time and then this is an actual term and an official investment strategy it's called the burr method which stands for buy renovate rent refinance repeat so basically the real quick summary of that is you buy a house that's not in great condition This is usually when you're paying cash or mostly cash for something. You renovate it so that it goes up in value significantly. You refinance it to pull your cash back out of it and put a mortgage for the majority of the value of the home. Then you put renters in there that are paying the majority of the mortgage or all of the mortgage for you so that you're making monthly payments and you've pulled all of your cash back out based on the fact that it's now worth more than it was when you bought it. And then you've got cash to do it again. So that's a way to, you need to be really good with numbers, but it's a way to compound investments really quickly. Yeah, and it's very lucrative. It's very lucrative. Very, very, very. My dad's actually doing this right now with the beach house too. I feel like my dad's like the example of an investor that I like (laughs) aspire to be like. Absolutely. Um, Okay, so the next way that you can invest is called flipping. Now, this is very popular. Obviously, there's like TV shows about it. It's very, I think it's seen as like very glamorous, um, but it's actually like a little bit difficult and complicated. Um, But if you can find a place where the numbers really work, you can make a lot of money quickly. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, but the margins can be really small because the problem is, is that, so if you're looking for a house to flip, you're going to want to find a house that's not in as great condition, but in a really great area so that if that house were newly renovated, it would sell for a lot more than it is selling for now. And normally you're really going to want to get like a good deal because when realtors are pricing homes, they are looking at like, oh, the renovated house next door is, you know, a hundred grand more. So we're going to they're not looking at like, oh, you could make all this money. They're looking for the numbers to just add up. So you probably would have to get like some sort of a steal on the house. Um, and so, yeah, you're looking for a very like a, a beat up house essentially in a really, really, really great area. And you're going to buy it. You're going to fix it up and then you're going to sell it right away. And um, and so there's certain markets that are also good for flipping too. So, um in like how markets like now where there's not as much where there's a lot of inventory and so um it's harder to sell and so not a lot of people are going to want to buy houses that are like more beat up whereas in a market where the inventory is really low people are just buying whatever they can find um so that would be a really good market to buy it in but then um you always have to evaluate your cost to renovate and that's the thing that can be really tricky because it's hard before you're buying a house to know exactly how much it's going to cost to renovate Because you don't know every single solitary detail that might come up as you start to flip it. And so that's where these like cheap flips come from. Like I say that in quotes because a lot of people talk about cheap flips. Um, And that's when like people buy these houses with all these issues. They only do cosmetic things and then sell it again. And then you end up in this crappy house. So actually it's way better as a flipper to try to find a house that's actually in very good quality. But that's just 
really ugly. And that's why yeah. it's not selling. Um, because then you're not having to do work on the foundation or work on the plumbing or work on the electric, like the electricity, the electricity. <laughs> um, and because um, that can get very costly and make your margins very small. And then, Bethany, why don't you talk about um, like short term rental Airbnb? I know you have experience in this. <laughs> yes. So I'm a huge fan of short term rentals of Airbnb. This one, it's really important that you work with somebody who understands the Airbnb codes and laws for your particular neighborhood that you're looking at because they can vary significantly from city to county. There's lots of different rules and what is applicable in one city might not be applicable even 15 minutes away. And so it's really important to get a good idea of those. Um, you can also do your own research, but a good realtor should know that, you know, the rules for the particular area you're looking at as well. Um, a lot of cities and towns and counties will differentiate between owner-occupied Airbnbs or short-term rentals and non-owner-occupied. So an owner-occupied is one where it's considered your primary residence. You actually live there either full-time or part-time, but you rent it out when you're either out of town or it's like one bedroom and you rent out you know, just that one bedroom and you live in the rest of it. Or that's like a good time. Like if you find, when you're house shopping, you find a house with like a mother-in-law suite with a separate entrance. It's a really good time to be thinking like, oh, I could do an owner-occupied Airbnb here if the laws in that neighborhood allow it. Totally. And you can often with situations like that have completely different locks on the two different things mm -hmm. so that you can set it up so that somebody can be on your property, but they're not in your space and you're able to separate home space and investment space. Another thing that you can do too is if you do plan on running out the whole place, if you have somewhere else you can go, you know, half of the time or while you're out of town or something like that and you can rent out the whole place, um, that can be really lucrative as well. Another thing that I wanted to mention about this and about rental properties is that all of this sounds like so much work. Now, there is also an option if the numbers line up that you can hire a property manager to basically do all that work for you. Absolutely. Um, and honestly, with an Airbnb it's really not that much like logistical stuff that has to go into it. Um, and so if you just had a really reliable cleaning crew, that's probably the only thing that you would have to think about. Um, now, and with a rental property too, but like both of these options are options, even if you live in another city, you could do those things as long as you have a really reliable property manager taking care of that for you so that you're not constantly like, oh shoot, I need to fly to New York to like fix the light bulb. Hopefully Absolutely. <laughs> well, especially if you're working with a great team, you yeah. can buy a property that you've never seen before. Of course. I've sold properties when people have not even seen them, but the numbers made sense. They had a property manager that was able to handle it for them. We ran the numbers like, you know, they were confident that the numbers made sense. The numbers still make sense. It's a good investment. So it's possible to be as hands off as you want to be. It's just you can get bigger margins the more hands on you want to be. You're just also yes. working a lot harder for it. Um, so, you know, obviously if you're not paying a property manager, you're keeping that much more money. You're just also doing that much more work. And so there's a wide spectrum of how you want to set things up. You can also, you know, if it's transitional and it makes sense to get something that you can manage right now, but you know that in a year or two, you want to, you know, convert to a property manager. It's not like buying a rental property means you are on call for the rest of your life every time something breaks down because you can always add a property manager later. And I'm always encouraging people who um, have two parents, like a, 
any couples that both of them are veterans, because of the VA loan, you don't need the down payment. So I always tell people, like, if you are, like, using one of your VA loans, but you have an, another one that you're not using, now is the time to find some sort of rental property um, to invest in. And then um, the next one is to live and appreciate. So this is basically the, the way that any average person is investing in real estate, even if they don't realize it. So that's when you buy a house, you live there, and you're just letting it appreciate. And a lot of times you can do some of the things that we were just talking about, like whether you're going to live in it and um, like and rent it out in a few years, or if you're going to do a slow flip. So if you want to move in and over the course of five years, change each little thing so that five years later, it has not only gone up in value because of the renovations you've done, but also gone up in value because of appreciation. That's a really, really good way. I mean, that's what you guys are essentially doing. Yeah. Even right now, you know, we bought a house that was super ugly and we've room by room made it way more attractive, way just, we've just done renovations, a lot of them ourselves, And then we've hired out the things that we don't know how to do. But then, you know, at some point in the next year, we'll end up converting it into a rental and buying something else. And so we're kind of, we're living here, but we're also utilizing multiple strategies so that, you know, it'll end up producing a lot of cash flow and appreciation. Yeah. And we're going to do an episode specifically about how to help your house maintain value, but also appreciate faster. Because I think there's a lot of things people don't realize if they keep up with their house well, it's going to, there's going to be some big rewards in the long run. Totally. And even things like, you know, knowing what to invest in, because sometimes people will make an investment or a renovation thinking that they just like it more and it ends up like not producing the max value. And so strategically choosing what you put the money into helps. Yeah. And you do want to make sure that you're always buying in an area that is appreciating. Um, Every realtor, hopefully any good realtor is going to be able to tell you which areas are appreciating and which one, like, I mean, I think we could say real estate's always appreciating, but some areas uh, appreciate faster than others. Yeah. Um, So anyway, if you liked this conversation, like and subscribe. (laughs) Absolutely. And also we would love to connect with you and talk about, you know, what you're thinking about doing, what might make sense for you right now, whether it's you're ready to move right now or you would like to invest in the next year or two. Um, And so if you are interested in having a personal conversation about what this could look like for you, how you could apply this, visit our website at www.philosophy.com and schedule a consultation with us to strategize for your specific situation. Awesome. Thank you.